Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Father. We just give you glory. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for the first of this fourth month. Lord, that you've granted us the grace to be found in your house. Yet one more day in the land of the living. Yet another day in the land of the living, Father. So many, Father, around the world haven't seen this day. Father, you, Father, in your mercy, you've granted us this time that we could, Father, be found in your presence, alive, so that we could understand, learn from you, and fulfill your calling in our lives. And this morning, I pray that you would once again anoint us, even in the hearing and the speaking of this word. And Lord, write your law in the tables of our heart and cause us to walk in your ways. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Uh, let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 3. And let's read from verse 3 onwards. Um, been looking at that for quite some time. Um, I'm not sure if this monitor is on. If this, this one, this is my, my computer. Sorry. Just give us one minute, please. All right, let's read from John's Gospel, chapter 3, and verses, uh, yeah, one minute. Yes, chapter 3 and verse 3 onwards, 3 to 10. It says, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Hmm. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. And verse 9 and 10. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? (laughs) I like that definite article over there. It is not, Are you a teacher in Israel? (laughs) It is, Are you the teacher in Israel? Are you like the... Like the the best here? Is is, is, Is this what the... Is the best, is this the best that Israel has in terms of teachers? And you do not know these things is an indictment to, uh, to the, to Nicodemus. And I mean, Nicodemus is like shocked. It's very, 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 uh, uh, interesting that when we, uh, last night, I mean, if you've, if you've, uh, heard, uh, last, last night's, uh, sermon I would, and teaching, I would really encourage all of you to just go back and, Go through it once again, and it'll really bless your heart. Uh, so many things fall in, fell into place, in, even in my own mind. Um, you see, one of the things that um, um, Jesus was challenging Nicodemus, he says, "Don't you see, Nicodemus, that you need to be born again? 
Don't you see, Nicodemus, that the law cannot save you? Don't you see, Nicodemus, the law is only restraining you, but it is not changing you. Are you the teacher in Israel? Haven't you, haven't you read the law? Haven't you seen the old, the old covenant over and over and over again that the people by and large could not keep the law in its totality? It was impossible for them. Didn't you see that the law, uh, was just a schoolmaster? For, turn with me to John's Gospel chapter 7 again and read verse 19. Powerful indictment again, Jesus, to the Jew, to the, the ruling class. Uh, what I mean by that is the, the religious leaders of his day. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keeps the law. Hmm. Remarkable, isn't it? Jesus, Jesus is telling the, 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 the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, the ruling class, he's saying, the religious ruling class, he's saying, did not Moses give you the law? And none of you keeps the law. The law is only restraining you, but you're not actually keeping the law. You're just not doing what you truly want to do from your heart. <laughs> You see that? No, the example is, of course, when you, when we see uh, Moses has gone up to get the tabernacle, the, the the blueprint of the tabernacle and the law, and the moment the restraining influence of of the of of God is removed from the life of the Israelites, they go into idolatry. It says that they ate and drank and rose up to play. Restraining influence is taken away. And they eat and drink. That's exactly what is happening all around the world. Restraining influences, even in churches, is being removed. And what you have is a bunch of people who are actually showing the true colors. The what is there in the heart is being revealed. That they eat and they drink. They offer peace offerings. They also offer all those offerings. They're religious. But after religion is over... Eating and drinking. There's no restraint. There's no influence of, uh, of the, I mean, that's exactly what the law could do. The, the law could only restrain, restrain people, but it would not change people. Galatians chapter three, we looked at it so many times, um, verse 24. Um, actually, you have it? Yeah. It says, um, therefore the law was our tutor. To bring us to Christ. So the law was our guardian. Uh, in, in, in IV it says the law was our guardian. What does a guardian do? He guards. Okay. So what do little children need to do? Need to be guarded. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Okay. If you, if you see, I mean, any, in, in any school, when the teacher is out of the class, the guardian is gone. Right? And he says the law was a, was a guardian. In, in other words, he's saying, he's telling the Pharisees, you are like little, little children. That's what he tells them, right? He says, you are like little children in the marketplaces. <laughs> John the Baptist came singing the dirge. You did not accept him. I, ca- I come eating and drinking. You do not accept me. You call me a friend of tax collectors and sinners, a glutton and a wine biber. But wisdom is just, justified by the, by her hearers. What is happening over here? You're just school children. You're little, I mean, you are like bachas. You, you are, you are, you need guardians to guard your behavior. But deep down inside of your heart, you're absolutely lawless. And therefore he was telling Nicodemus, see, it's just a guardian. It never changed your true nature, your capacity to sin. You are only restrained from sinning. But we truly never had a nature that truly loved God and the capacity to please Him. 
None were righteous. For example, it says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 3, what is, what is the definition of sin? It says, sin is lawlessness. It says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 3, 1 John chapter 4 verse 3, sin is lawlessness. Chapter 4 verse 3, or chapter 3 verse 4, sorry, chapter 3 verse 4, not 4 verse 3, chapter 3 verse 4. Apologize. Yeah. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That means we have a nature inside of our heart. Okay. Which hasn't changed. That is the reason why Paul says, when the commandment said, thou shall not covet, all kinds of covetous desires were raised in my heart. (laughs) It's remarkable. All kinds of covetous desires were raised in my heart. Boy, it's remarkable, isn't it? He says, I think the the 10th commandment is is the ultimate stumbling block. I mean, you can say, okay, I don't have, I don't have uh, any other gods except Yahweh. Only worship Yahweh. I don't, I don't, I'm not making any idols. Okay, I cannot make any. I'm not making any any idols. Okay, I'm, I don't have any any idols in my life, at least physically. I honor the Sabbath. Okay, I've honored, I've honored the Sabbath. Meaning, on Friday or on uh, on Saturday or on Sunday, I go to ch- I go to church or I go to the synagogue or go to the mosque. I'm not. I'm resting per se. Okay, I, I honor my father and mother in whatever those, what is that, whatever your definition of honoring your father and mother is. I don't kill. I did not steal. Etc. You can say you might have kept at least the letter of the law till commandment number nine. You did not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay, fine. But then comes the tenth commandment. You shall not covet. <laughs> Can anybody say that you never coveted? You should not covet whatever your neighbor has. If your neighbor has a car, you should not covet. If your neighbor gets more marks, you should not covet. If your neighbor gets a better job, you should not covet. From actually, you should rejoice. Hurry, great day! You got a great job. Congratulations! How many of us actually can rejoice? Deep down inside of your heart, you're like, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> <laughs> right? How many can actually rejoice when your neighbor, I mean, it happens in universities, right? When, the, when campus recruitment happens, when all the companies are coming to recruit the, recruit the students, they're all comparing one, themselves, you know, what is your, what is your f- final pay, take-home salary? $100,000 a year. Wow. I'm happy for you, man. Really? No, 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 no. I know you're not happy. <laughs> of course you're not happy. For sure you're not happy. You see, how who can keep, thou shall not covet. He says, you shall not covet your neighbor's things. You shall not covet his neighbor's wife. You shall not covet his maidservant, nor his manservant. In other words, if you are a, if you are a, a owner of a company, you look at your employees, and you look at another company, and you look at their employees, how come that fellow is always attracting the best talent? You see, this, and companies are in, in for it. What, what are they doing? They're, they say, you know what, you come and work for us, I will give you a salary hike. If you are really good in your job, and then when you go to your uh, company and you keep your papers and you put in your papers and say, uh, sir, I'm leaving, um, 
I, I, and he'll tell you, I, I know why you're leaving. <laughs> and deep down inside of his heart, he wants to keep you and he possibly curses the other company in his heart. But he will say, yeah, I'm happy for you. Better, good place. It's impossible for any man to keep the 10th commandment. <laughs> Covetousness. Ultimately, scripture says, okay, I did not covet I mean, I mean, I did not commit idolatry in its physical sense. I don't have any idols externally at least. But scripture says in Colossians and in Ephesians, it says, don't have to turn there. It says, Colos- I mean, sorry, covetousness is what? Idolatry. If covetousness is idolatry, and if you sh- there shall have no other idols apart from me, no other gods apart from me, that means just by coveting, you have broken every other law. That means you have committed adultery because you are coveting some other's wife or the other. You have you've done everything. And deep down inside of your heart, you are saying you are happy for him also. And therefore, you are also bearing false witness. And tru- truly, no. I mean, honestly, whenever I my friend got a better mark than me, Okay, I would say, uh, maybe I would say, okay, I'm happy for you, but next time I'm going to get better marks than you. Whatever. No, competition. That's competition. So competitive spirit is there, even in churches. Okay. Covet. You covet other people's gifts or covet other people's uh, uh, anointing or whatever it is. I mean, whatever it is. You see, thou shall not covet is a fantastic... <laughs> What do you say? Leveler. It just pulls, pulls you down to the ground and says, yes, yes, yes. I'm absolutely a person who is lawless. You know why? Sin is lawlessness. <laughs> so, you, I need to have a nature. Can you imagine what the requirement of God is that we should all, you should just not covet your neighbor's, um, uh, things. It says, if you read through Exodus chapter 22, etc., it says, if your enemy's ox is gone, is, is lost. You know what you're supposed to do? You have to take the enemy's ox and keep it in your house. And if your enemy comes searching for it, you are supposed to give it back to him. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You will possibly put one, you'll dig one hole for so that your enemy's ox will fall into that ditch. I don't know. Look, ma, no hands. I don't know. People are forever digging ditches for their enemies. And the law says when you see your enemy, you see his ox or his donkey getting lost, you have to keep it and you should not hold any grudge against him. You should, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. How, who can fulfill the law? Are we not all lawless? We need to have a nature like Jesus. What kind of a nature? It is just not we should not be lawless. One Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. It says, but to the son. Who is the son? The son of God. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have, uh, what? Loved righteousness and you hated lawlessness. In other words, you should be a person who just is not lawless. You hate lawlessness. And you should love righteousness. 
We need a nature that not only does not sin, but hates sin. That not only practices righteousness, but loves righteousness. Not only does the will of God, but delights in the will of God. Not only serves God, but serves God with love and with an attitude of devotion. Counting it as a privilege to serve Him. When you send your resume to a company, it will be my privilege, sir, to be a part of your esteemed company. Really? You are there for your salary. It will be a privilege, sir. Okay. Finally, HR says, how much are you expecting, Baba? <laughs> how much are you expecting? What is your, what is, what is your expectation? Well, sir, the market says, <laughs> this is the current market value and this is my experience and therefore this is what I'm expecting. Oh, really? I thought it will be a privilege for you to work for my company. What if I say, I'm not going to give you as much as you were getting in the previous company. Will you continue to work for, work for my company? See, that is a bond servant attitude. You know what a bond servant does? He says, you know what? Master, I love you. I have prospered in your house. But I don't want this prosperity. I want you. So what is, what does he do? He goes to, he goes to the, to the, he, he tells his master, master, I am your servant for life. I count it as a privilege to be your servant. You don't have to give me anything. Just the privilege of serving you is enough. You see, that is the nature God is looking for. That is where the heart attitude, God is not looking for, He's like Pastor was saying, God is not looking at the outward, He is looking at your heart. Serves God as a bond servant. He says, Master, it's a privilege for me to serve you. How many of you actually told, it will be a great privilege for me to serve in your company? You Even if you didn't get a salary, you were saying for you were staying there for experience, so that once you get your experience, next time you can get a better offer. That's what so many people come to our lab. Sir, 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 you don't give us any stipend, sir. We will just work here, sir. After they finish their work, they'll write their name. And suddenly the name comes. Next next, next thing you know, this fellow has disappeared and has gone to another lab because all the privileges, that's all bunkum. That is all nonsense. You see, everybody has a price tag, Baba. Everybody, even in the ministry, even in the ministry, <laughs> you remember the Levite who goes to Micah's house, I'll give you 10 shekels and a shirt. Okay, he says, okay, you shall be my father, <laughs> he tells the Levite, <laughs> he says, you shall be my father. And then a tribe of Dan comes because they still haven't got an entire, uh, their inheritance and they see the idol of Micah and the Levite. He's consecrated the Levite to be his priest now. And he comes and tells, is it honorable for you to be a priest to one fellow or to our whole tribe? Oh! Kya baat hai? <laughs> one tribe or a whole tribe? One man or a whole tribe? Whole tribe. One man or a whole tribe? You see, if you are here, you will be only the tribe of, I mean, you will be the only the priest for Micah. You come to us, we will make you the priest of our entire tribe. Imagine if this fellow is giving you one, one ten shekels and one, one shirt, how much more an entire tribe can give you? Finished. Over. The first thing I remember, no, the first uh, invitation I got for to preach after I came to the full-time ministry was a church in uh, Warangal. 
I don't want to name the place of the church. If the pastor is saying, okay, no problem. I was, I just went into the pulpit, okay, sitting next to the pastor. He previously invited me for some other meeting and then that was a, a meeting which was, I mean, it was a Sunday service. It was a youth Sunday. So they invited me for their youth service. So he was sitting next to me and he congratulated, I mean, he just invited me and he shook hands and I sat next to him. The first question he asked me, you know, uh, how much do you get paid? I looked at him and said, boy, how much do you get paid? It's there in the ministry too. See, God, I mean, Paul tells to Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 5, I think. 8, 9 or 9, 5. One second, let me tell you. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians. <clears throat> no, I should have put that because this is my, one of my favorite verses. Huh? Was it? Uh, 8, 9, is it? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, 8.5, sorry, 8.5. Yeah, we'll look at this. 8.5 is powerful. Second Corinthians 8.5. And not only so as we hope for, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. No, no, not this one. Uh, where he says, uh, to be servants of God itself is our reward. Something like that. Okay, don't worry about it. Just just forget it. Where he says, uh, to be the servant of uh, God itself is our reward. Fine. So that is, it's a privilege. So how many of us can actually serve God like that? That is the reason why it says, Jesus made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a bond servant. So that is a nature that we need. God is looking for that kind of a nature. So he's just not looking externally when he's saying, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at an attitude in your heart, which has this. A nature does that which does not only does not sin, but hates sin. Not only practices righteousness, but loves righteousness. Not only does the will of God, but delights in the will of God. Not only serves God, but serves God as if it is a privilege and an, and, and an honor to be Serving God. Like a bond servant. Okay. And when a, and ultimately, after having served like this, saying we have only done our duty. That means all glory goes to him. Goes to whom? Goes to God. Okay, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Okay? So this is, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Okay, this is the attitude with which he came. As I said, our ultimate comparison is who? The son of God. Look at what it says about the Son of God in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. Powerful. Five onwards actually. Okay, 5 to 7. We looked at it in several contexts, but we'll look at it once again. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire. See, that is the reason why when we, when we looked at yesterday's, uh, uh, yesterday's, uh, teaching in the night, both Abel and Cain brought an offering. That means they brought some kind of a sacrifice. They had to sacrifice something to bring it, bring to God. God was first had respect for Abel and then to his offering, but he did not have respect for Cain and then because he was looking in first, he is looking at the heart. He was looking at the intention behind their offering. Right? So what it says, sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, but a what? You have prepared for me? A body you have prepared for me. Verse 7, then I said, behold, I come in the, in the, 
volume of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God. And verse 8, okay, to do your will, O God. And Psalm 40 now, Psalm 40, which is quoting obviously from Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. I want to look at two things over here. Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. It's a sacrifice, quoting, this Hebrews is quoting from the psalm, okay? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, what? A body was prepared there, what is, what is given over here? He says, my ears you have opened. As I said, he who has your ear has your, why? Is a question. How come he who has your ear has your body? We will come to the concept today. How is it possible that a person who, I mean, if God has your ear, he has your body. How How is it possible? You do not desire my ears. You have opened burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. And then it says, behold, I come in the volume or the, the scroll of the book that is written of me. And verse 8, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law. You see now, your law is within my heart. I'm just not looking at the external thing. I'm just looking at your law in my heart and I delight to do your will. See, the, a man of God is truly blessed if he delights in the law of the Lord. He just not does the law of the Lord or just meditates on the law of the Lord. There's a delight that is going on. And there's only one person who did it in its totality in the entire Bible. That is Jesus who delighted. Who delight. That is the nature he was talking about. So what, what did he, what did he have? He first had Jesus' ear and then it says he had his body. How it is? What is the, what, what was that about Jesus that God had that he could say that I have your body? So just because I have your ear, how does it, how can one come to the conclusion that God has our body? It's a question, right? So let us see Psalm 50 now. Psalm 50. Verses 4 to 6. Psalm 50 verses 4 to 6. It says, 50, so sorry, Isaiah 50. What am I saying? Sorry, sorry, apologize. It's I wrote Isaiah and I was reading Psalm. Isaiah 50 verses 4 to 6. Isaiah 50 verses 4 to 6. <clears throat> Look at what it says. The Lord has given me the tongue of the disciple. Is it possible for you to put the NASB here? That's what I was wanting to ask you. Okay, put the NASB for me. Wow. The Lord has given me the tongue of the disciples or the disciple that I may know how to sustain the weary word with a uh, weary one with a word. Okay. He has given me the tongue of a disciple so that I can sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So what does he have first? He has my Ear. Okay. And because he has my ear, I have a tongue. I have a disciplined ear and therefore I have a disciplined tongue. And then verse 5. The Lord has opened my ear. That's what it says, right? In Psalm 40. My ears you have what? Opened. And I was not disobedient. Not not did I turn back. And look at verse 6. The Lord, I gave my back. So the Lord has his ear, the Lord has his tongue and finally the Lord the Lord has his body. 
Isn't it amazing? So when when we when 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 scripture says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God offer your bodies as a living sacrifice you know primarily what he's asking for he's asking for our ear and our tongue so that if you can give your ear and your tongue to the Lord God has your so let me reiterate this again with scripture. Therefore, for final, final, final conclusion here, final conclusion. What is the nature of Jesus? He had a disciplined ear. He had a disciplined tongue. And therefore, he had a disciplined body. Because he delighted to do his will. That is how he did it. Okay. And morning by morning, he wakened. And God awakened him and not only God did not awaken him, he awakened his ear also. You see, both have to happen. You, just because your body is awake, it doesn't mean that your ear is awake. So many people re- re- uh, get up early in the morning and I did it so many times. Okay, you're, you're re- read your Bible and after that you fall asleep. Your, <laughs> your body is awakened but your ear has not been awakened yet. You see, both have to happen. And even if you start reading your Bible, still your ears are not over- awakened. It takes some time for you to break through, like we sang today. The barriers and the and the and the obstructions in your body to be able to hear from God, and then God speaks into your spirit. That is a discipline. That is the reason why it says you have a tongue of a. Disciple, why you ha- why do you have a tongue of a disciple? Because you have a ear of a disciple. And therefore you have a body of a disciple. Isn't it amazing? And what, now because you have a ear and a tongue of a disciple, now you can give your body for anything. Body to those who is, who's going to spank you and break your backs. And in spite of that, you will still love them. The Jews, literally, according to the law, they punish Saul. If you break the law, how many lashes you should, you should get? Not more than 40. So, <laughs> so he got, I think, five times from the Jews? I don't know how many times. Five times, several, more than once at least. More than once of the Jews, I got 40 minus one lashes. 39 lashes I got. But he says, you know, my heart's desire and prayer to God for my brother is that they should be saved. Oh Lord, blot out my name so that my brothers can. What a man. You know why? He had a disciplined ear and therefore he has a disciplined tongue. And therefore he has a disciplined body. If if we were like Paul, I mean two, three lashes and some scrutum will come out. <laughs> I remember, I remember, <laughs> you see that is the reason why community is very important. When we are in the midst of a community, we rub each other most of the time, we give more opportunities for to each other to rub each other wrong, the wrong way and our real nature comes out. Yeah, uh, there was this man of God. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you know it. Um, uh, Art Katz, uh, He was to. He used to live in a community. Okay, they used to have a community. All the all the brothers live in a community. It was different different houses, but in a simple single community. And you, they used to share their provisions, etc. There so there was one sister who came from uh, Japan. Okay, um, 
uh, remember that right <laughs> okay yeah now somebody somebody remembered one sister who came from came from japan she was a recent convert came from japan and she was really enamored by the fact that you know all the christians are coming together and being a part of the community so she said okay I'm, the lord is telling me to come there and to stay with you and to be mentored by you so she comes there and she comes to arts our cat is home and you know they're all sharing uh, their meals together one day she's very nice and they look at her and they say boy she's so disciplined she doesn't say anything oh she's so nice she's so calm she's so composed mad japanese believers are fantastic believers is what the conclusion they were coming to until on the seventh day Harder than the eighth day we don't know whichever day you know what happened something happened in the argument started off between Art's wife and this lady, this sister who came from Japan. And she got so frustrated, she took a crockery and threw at the, at the wife. And, and, and then he said, you know what? This is what your true nature is. So we need to have sufficient people to rub us the wrong way. You see why community is important? So that our heart will be revealed. Like pastor was saying the other day. Yesterday when I was stunned, no? That they will make your heart. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it. I was meditating it the whole night. I was just thinking, thinking, how is it possible that they make their heart? I thought Bethsalel was the one who made the Ark of the Covenant. With all his brilliance and his wisdom. Yeah, he made it with gold. But what, what does gold signify? Tested trial. Trial by a fire. Right? And most of the times, staying with believers is trial by fire only. Because they will rub you the wrong way. You will rub them the wrong way and they will rub you the wrong way. You are not any better. It's a revelation of your own heart. And and her heart too. Their heart also. Why did I say her? I am (laughs) there. (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay, no pun intended, okay, just came out, okay. Uh, pun definitely unintended over there, okay. So, think, think about that. Think about that. So, whoever has your ear has your tongue and therefore has your body. James chapter 3, look at what it says. James chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6. Look at what it says. This is for all of us. For all of us, okay. Let not many of you become teachers, my brother, knowing that as uh, as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Bob, as such we will incur a stricter judgment. It's like if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become the what will become the what is the plight of the ungodly and the sinner? And if the ungodly and the sinner will be scarcely, what what about? You see, the, this is an argument again. So for we stumble in many things. If anyone does, does not stumble in word, he is a complete man. Okay, Proverbs 11 verse 1 will say, unjust scales and balances are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. I said, what is a just weight? A complete weight, a perfect weight, a perfect stone, a trite stone. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling, a precious trite stone. Who is a precious trite complete stone? Jesus himself. He was a perfect man. Do you know how... When he, when scripture says he was born under, I mean, uh, um, uh, of a woman and born under the law, can you imagine the pressure upon him? 
that he could not even sin, one word he would have spoken. And for him, waking up morning by morning and giving his ear was not an option. It was not an option. Many of believers, you know, they go without spending time with God for days. For days. They haven't touched the Bible for days. How long have you been a believer? Several years. Have you read the Bible at least once? Just imagine, no? We say that we love the Lord. Just imagine we say, when quoting days, we used to write letters to each other, right? I don't know, I mean, everybody's looking at me like that, right? Okay, you wrote emails to each other, okay, fine. <laughs> Let's imagine that your, your, your fiancé wrote a letter to you, five page letter. How will you read it? Oh, letter by letter, alphabet by alphabet. Are you, look at how nicely she wrote this alphabet. Now think about it. Next day you call her. Thank you for the letter, honey. Now just imagine. I love you so much. Thank you for the letter. It just made my day. Would you not say that? Okay. Now just imagine. Honey, I love you. Thank you for the letter. I just read, read paragraph one of page one and paragraph two of the, of page two and the last, I, I read, I like those paragraphs. The rest I was, oh, I was a little bored. What will happen? Kadang! Find yourself another. You see? Complete. We don't give. We, we go without days without hearing from God. Days without reading the Bible. For so many people that haven't read Ezekiel. Are Ezekiel. <laughs> so many pastors have not read Ezekiel. Tough. Oh, oh no, too much. Jeremiah. Oh, no, 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 no. It's too tough. No, 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 no. But what do you say? I love you, Lord. I love you. And then, then you go to heaven. How many? Did you read the Bible? Oh, no, Lord. Oh, that, come on, what are you talking about? (laughs) See, we go days without hearing. Boy, is that an option, my dear brothers and sisters? No, not an option. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Have you read every word of the Bible? Let this be the challenge for this year for you. Lord, Sufficient time I have spent in the lusts of my flesh. But now I want to spend the rest of the life doing the will of God. Will of God. And you can do that actually. If you read 10 chapters a day. 10 chapters I'm talking about. You can read it. One hour you spend 10 chapters is not a big deal. If you are not married or married. Don't give yourself an option like that. Yeah, I'm married. No, 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 no. So what? You need more. To hear, you, to, you need to hear more. <laughs> you need God more because there will be constant rubbing there going on. Iron sharpening iron. Both are iron only. Iron. I? <laughs> run. You can't run. <laughs> okay, you can't have those things, Baba. You can't have those things. Okay, so let's move on. In the perfect, so, uh, verse three, uh, verse three. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths. 
that they may obey us and we turn their ah! How we turn their whole body by putting bits in their mouth. Look at ships. So he's giving three examples. He's talking about horses being bits, ships with being run by fierce winds, but how are they turned? By small rudder. And the pilot, wherever he desires, can change the course of the ship by a small rudder. And the third one, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. So see how great a forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, etc. You see what he's talking about? He says, if you are able to control your tongue, just like a ship can be controlled, the entire ship can be controlled by its small rudder, so your entire body can be controlled by your tongue. And therefore, in order to have a disciplined tongue, you need to have a disciplined ear. And then therefore, you'll have a disciplined body. See, what are you supposed to offer your bodies as a living? What is that living sacrifice? What is living sacrifice? He's talking about a burnt offering. You know how you offer your burnt offerings? Catch, 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 pot, piece, piece, piece. I mean, literally, in other words, you have to take off your tongue and put it there first. Take off your ear and put it there, literally speaking. I mean, if you were to just imagine that picture, every part of the body has to go on that and has to be divided nicely. Offer your bodies as instrument of what? Righteousness. Just as you offered your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. No, but the word instrument is weapon. Right? Tongue is a nice weapon. If first abuse comes, then slap comes, right? Have you ever seen a fight without an abuse first? Or and then <laughs> except in war that's a different thing even in karate first you'll say ah first and then <laughs> the mouth goes before the fight before the before the box uh, before the shot i don't know i mean i'm talking about this this is these are normal things in life Right? So if he who, he who has a ear, God has your ear, then God has your mouth, and therefore God has his body. But to have your ear and your tongue, you know what God should have first? Your heart. That is the reason why God is not looking for at our sacrifice or our offering. He's, he's looking at our Heart, our affections, our desires. He doesn't want robots. Go there. Uh, uh, uh. Finish. Uh, uh. Come. He's not looking like that. I mean, I mean, yesterday pastor was saying that Jesus vicariously wants to live his life through us. Because God the Father was living his life vicariously through Jesus. Jesus wants to live his life through us vicariously. You know, when pastor was saying that word vicarious, there's a, there's a company... Robotic company called Vicarious. So what do those fellows who manufacture those robots want? They want to live their life through their robot. <laughs> see that, see ultimately you want to, you want somebody to live your life. That is there in your, inside of your heart. You want to make, as, as I said, you want, you make robots out of your own image. 
in your likeness. In other words, you want to live your life through that fellow. Company, you can go Google, Google it, Vicarious Artificial Intelligence Robotics. It's, it's in California. Unbelievable. So what is he saying? He says, he's just not looking for robots, he's looking for individuals, just not a bunch of people, individuals who truly love him and do whatever he asks to do, not because they have to do, because they delight to do it. That is the reason why in Malachi he says, look at your worship, it has become a burdensome exercise. And what do you offer? You offer the lame, the blind. You know what? When you're doing that, you're actually insulting my son. See, whenever in in the old covenant, whenever they were supposed to bring an off, bring an offering before God, it should be a lamb without blemish, no defect at all, no defect. And in fact, in Telugu, that's a very interesting word. The word without blemish means nirdoshamu, means a lamb without sin. Why? Because he was the lamb who was offered for us. A lamb without blemish, says First Peter chapter 1. A lamb without blemish. And when you are offering something which is not from your heart, what do you do? Like yesterday, pastor was saying, you can only give the first by faith and not the second. I, I remember that one joke that he, I think he was the one who shared it, no? Uh, mother uh, tells uh, her son, okay, this is five rupees for you, coin, two five rupees coins. Five rupees for you to put it on in the offering back in the Sunday school. Five rupees for you to buy one chocolate when you come back home. So on the way, he's playing with his coins, and suddenly one coin pops off and falls into the gutter. Gets washed off. And he looks at that coin and he says, Ayyo, poor God, there goes his offering. Poor God, there goes his offering. That is many believers. After you have settled every account, then you want to settle God's account. God says, do this to your governor. When you invite him, right before his eyes, get the worst animal and slaughter it before him. Will you will you take it? Is it not insulting him? And you give me the worst in your flock? Are you not insulting me? You're not just insulting me, you're insulting the sacrifice of my son. That's what you're doing. Because you are you are actually you know what you're doing? You're you're rehearsing that. And when you offer a lamb with blemish, you're saying my son is Blemish. You're saying he's he's not sinful. He's sin. I mean, he's not sinless. He's sinful. It's a it's a reflection, insult to God. You're trampling upon the blood of Jesus, and you're insulting the sacrifice on the cross. 
Therefore, therefore, God needs to have our heart first. But in order to get there, we should we should be convinced <laughs> that you know our our mouth, our heart, and our, uh, our uh, tongue. If you, the, he who has our tongue has our heart. So l- l- let us see uh, Psalm twelve, w- verse one to um, three, four, 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 one to four. 1 to 4, yeah. Psalm 12 verses 1 to 4. Help Lord, help Lord. Actually, help, uh, the word is save Lord. It's save, save, okay. Save Lord for the godly man ceases. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. <laughs> it's amazing. Look at, he says, faithful people are disappearing, Lord. They speak, how? How, do, how does he come to that conclusion? They speak idly everyone to his neighbor with flattering lips and a, you know, the word double heart. The actual original translation means inconsistent mind. That is exactly what we are. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. What? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see that? That is what we are, we are asking us. The, the, the government is asking us to do cleansing of our hands every day. That is only a parable. Let us not be like Asaf. In vain have I cleansed my hands. <laughs> Psalm 73. Why do the wicked prosper? In vain have I cleansed my hands. Until I went into the That is the reason why we are asking you to stay in the sanctuary of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, so that you will know their what end? Their latter end. It goes on. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. What do they say? Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? You see that? Whoever has your tongue has your body. So in order to achieve this, an ear like Jesus, a tongue like Jesus, an obedient attitude like Jesus, we need the nature of Jesus. We should be like Jesus. We should be born like Jesus. And that is the reason why he's telling Nicodemus, don't you know <laughs> that you actually have to be born again? Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to, yeah, let's read from verse 1 onwards. And we'll continue. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not, ah, wash their hands when they eat bread. Baba, that is what we have been asked, asked we have been asked to, Array, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, ayo, wash hands. Look at this, If you don't wash your hands, the chances are you will die. We never thought washing hands was so important until COVID came. In other words, they were telling, Pranam in the Kostegarmi Chedurkoramada basically. You will not, if you will not, you will not wash your hands unless you feel your life is dependent upon that. <laughs> that is how does, how desperate the situation is. But that is only an indication of a, a parable of the condition of what? Of your heart. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Or before they eat, and next, next verse, verse 3, he answered and said to them, 
Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor your father and mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you have, you might have received from me is a gift. Korban! Mark will say. Then he, then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. You see, you are actually not able to fulfill the requirement of God. Then he says, hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouths, but, and honor me with their lips, but their heart. So it is not, just because you have, you're praising God with your mouth and with your lips doesn't mean that you have, that you have given us his heart. If you have not given us your, given him his heart, he doesn't have your ear and he doesn't have your tongue and therefore he doesn't have your body. Therefore, he's convincing. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, convincing, Baba. I'm convincing you. What do you need to be? You need to be what? Born again. You need a complete change of nature. Matthew chapter 12 again, verse 33. We'll look at so many verses just to convince that we need a good, we need a heart. We need a heart change. Uh, we need a open heart surgery. Like, like literally doctors have to convince you. It's not going to help you, Baba. Transplant karna hi karna Either make the tree good and its fruit good. Or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. I told you yesterday. You are always a brood. Okay. Brood of snakes. Brood of poisonous snakes. Sna- Viper is just a poisonous. That means... you. Um, Somebody said, no, actually it's a Vemana, Vemana Pajyanlo. There's a poem written by one of a philosopher, one of a poets in Telugu. You know what he says? For a snake, the poison is in its mouth. For a scorpion, the poison is in its tail. But for a human being, the whole body is poisonous. That's an amazing. I didn't keep telling for a snake, the poison is is in its fangs. For a scorpion, the poison is in its tail. But for a human being, his whole body is poison. You know why? Because his heart is poison. And that is the reason why God had to send those fiery serpents to, to prove to you fellows. You know what? Your body is full of poison. There is nothing good in you. The poison of asps is in your lips. Why? Because you are Heart is poisonous. Why? If your heart is poisonous, what is it pumping? Poison. It's a central nervous, I mean, apart from this, there's a central nervous system of your body. If your heart stops, everything stops. And what is it pumping? Death. Hmm. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And that is the reason why he says, your mouth is an open grave. You are a whitewashed tomb and an open grave. Both. 
Externally, nicely we have put some nice marble and got some nice artisans from all over the world and made marble and called it the eighth wonder of the world. But what is there inside? Dead man's bones. But a symbol of love? Nonsense. (laughs) Okay. So, we need to have a nature like God's. Like, what is the nature we need to have? Verse 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. I hope I am right. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Can you imagine this? It's a categorical statement. There is no, oh, what is two ways about it. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil in your life. And then He says, He who sins is of the devil. Verse 9, Whoever is born of God does not sin. For His seed remains in Him. And He says, He cannot sin. It's it's contrary to His nature. Can God sin? No. Can God be tempted of evil? No. Can God choose to do evil? No. So what do we need? What do you need, Nicodemus? You need a change of heart. We need a change of heart. A new heart. Heart just like his. Which is impossible unless he gives it to us. That is what we call as born again. When we are born again, we get a new heart. The first thing when the baby is conceived, you know what the mother hears? Tick, 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 the heartbeat. He means that heart. You need to be conceived of the Holy Spirit so that you can receive a new heart. See the requirement? So John's Gospel chapter 3 now. Let's go back to verses 5 onwards. John's, John's Gospel chapter 3 verse 5 onwards. Okay, uh, so sorry, verse 3, verse 3, verse 3 onwards, verse 3 onwards. <clears throat> Jesus answered, assuredly I say to you, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born from above. That's a, one of the f- famous transcripts that we have distributed away from our church, being born from above. Unless you are born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Just like I was born of the Holy Spirit, from above. Nicodemus said, next verse, verse 5. Most assuredly, I said to you, unless you are born of the water, which is the word of God and the spirit of God, you cannot enter. And then he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And then he says, verse 7, look at this. Do not marvel, I say to you, that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. In other words, it's a sovereign act of God. In your life. Where God breaks through and he comes and he causes his spirit to move in your heart, stir in your heart. And the word comes and the spirit comes and your heart and you're born again. Everyone who's born of the spirit is like that. It's a sovereign act of God. 
notwithstanding your current situation, what you were, who you were, whether you were a righteous man, so-called, or an unrighteous man, or you were a sinner, or a murderer, or an adulterer, or a fornicator, or a liar, it doesn't matter, or a very good man, or a very, very, uh, what do you say, uh, honest taxpayer, highest taxpayer, dishonest taxpayer, doesn't matter. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter, I, I like that. It's a very beautiful verse. It's, it can, you can take it as a promise for yourself. Romans chapter 9, <coughs> verse, uh, uh, Romans chapter 9 and verse, uh, verse 10 and 11, 10 to 11. And not only this, 10 to 11, okay? And not only this, uh, when, uh, t- 10 to 12, doctor, okay? And not only this, when, when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works of him who, but, but of him who calls, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. God called Isaac, God called uh, Jacob, notwithstanding the fact that he was a sinner. He called him. He was, he was absolutely not worthy of being called, but he called him. Simple. That's the sovereign act of God. He called him. And God calls us. And that is, that is, that's exactly what he told, uh, Israel. I did not call you because you was the, you were the largest of all the people. No, I did not call you because you were the most righteous of all the people. No, you were a stiff-necked people and you, you, I did not call you because you were the most powerful of all the people. No, you were a weak people. And I still called you. I still called you. So what do we need to have? Therefore we need to have a new heart. So how do we get it? Here's a question. God does five things. How many things? Five things at least. We will see what those five things are. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. Sorry, 36 and verse 16 onwards. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 16 onwards. Are we there? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, okay, humid, I'm just, I'm not angry. (laughs) Okay. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. That is, that's exactly this, uh, the word for your righteousness are like Fill the racks. It's the same connotation over there. Okay. And then verse 18. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood that they shed in the land, for their idols which they, uh, with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the, among the nations and they were dispersed through the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. So I sent them to the promised land and they never kept the promised land. They were absolutely unclean. They defiled my promised land with their idolatry. They never obeyed my voice. What, what did I do? I scattered them out. I punished them. Hoping that punishment would somehow bring them repentance. But what, you know, look at what it says. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. 
You see, punishment is not going to change children. The, the whole point is this. Why we are, why do we say that law restraints? Law says, if you do this, you'll get one spank. So, so what did you do? You spanked them, spanked them, spanked them, sent them to jail. You spanked them even more hard. You release them out of jail. What happens? Has his nature changed? No. You know, you go to the police station, okay? Uh, you, you, let's say you lost your mobile phone. Okay. Uh, and you tell him, sir, I was uh, at Paradise uh, Chaurasta. Uh, I was waiting for my, I was booking a cab on Ola. Okay. And even as I was booking the cab, one fellow came and snatched my phone and went. And you go and uh, put it in a police station. The police says, okay, don't worry. Tomorrow you come, your mobile phone will be ready. So next day, the mobile phone is ready and the fellow who caught it is there. He, mean, he says, this guy, you go and look at that, that, that uh, notice board in the, in the police station. This fellow is a habitual thief. In and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. But his nature has never changed. Punishment will never change people. That's exactly what is happening. A huh? L- lot of people, you know, some, some countries, if you steal, they'll chop off your hands. What is, what is better? To change that fellow into a person who will be a blessing to the society or to chop off his hands? You should be an abject lesson for the rest of the, that's not the answer. If God wanted to destroy us, he could have destroyed us, no? Destroy this fellow, create a new generation. But he did not! Punishment doesn't change people. See, discipline is for a son. For others, it is punishment. For a son, when his father is scourging you, he understands the pain of the father. Because he has a relationship with the father and he doesn't want to do it anymore. But if he is not even considering him to be a father, discipline is not going to really change him. So what happened? When they went to the nations, wherever they went, they what? Profaned my holy name. You know what profane means? God is holy. And you profane means you treat it as common. God is completely the other than other gods. When you reduce that God to your level, or whatever your idea of God is, then what have have you done? You have profaned him. What are the Levites and the priests supposed to do? Teach the children between, teach the Israelites the difference between the clean and the unclean, the holy and the profane. Or the holy and the common. So the word profanity, for example, comes from the word profane, which means you're taking something which is sacred and treating it something as common. And what is the most common profanity? It starts with Different, different words in different, different in languages. What have you done? There's a sacred act of marriage. Marriage is honorable in among all, and the and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. He's saying marriage is such an honorable estate, it's a holy estate. And what have you done? You have made it common, and you have made it profane. 
So what is he saying? He's saying, you have a, a, a relationship with me and you have reduced and degraded that relationship into something common. That is how you profane my name. No, the, so, so how do we do it is a question. How do we do that? How do we profane God's holy name? The way we do it is to understand what his name is first. Right? Turn, turn with me therefore to Exodus chapter 34. We know this very well. Verses 5 to, 5 to 7. 5 to 7. Verses 5 to 7. Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 to 7. It says, the Lord descended in the cloud. Um, uh, Dr. Richard, after that you just put 6 and 7 together, okay? Uh, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the what of the Lord? The name of the Lord. Now this is the name. This is the holy name of God. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, second, abounding in goodness and truth, third, for keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and translation, fifth, and then, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. Now what? This is the name of God. This is the complete name of God. So I think seven characteristics are there. That is perfect. Okay, seven characteristics. If you, if you can count it, if, it is, if it's not seven, you can make it seven. Not a problem. Okay, putting by putting commas in a, in the appropriate places. Okay, <laughs> okay, several characteristics are there, but you can you can you can you can put the commas in appropriate places. I'll tell you why. Because both Greek and Hebrew don't have commas. The commas are implied. No full stop. Also, no now vowels. How can you pronounce without vowels? That is God. Okay, that's his language. Okay, <laughs> that's the language. Okay, if one day I'll give you a small tutorial on the beauty of the Hebrew language later on. Okay, but 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 uh, but look at this. He says, "The Lord, the God, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation." Now, this is his name. His name is his nature. Because his nature and his name cannot be said changed. What is what is your name? Vijay. But I could be defeated. Just because my name is Vijay doesn't mean that I I'm living according to my name. It could your name could be Arpana. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or Russian. Russian means the shining one. <laughs> okay. okay, the one who's shining all the time. No, he's behind the camera and shining the light on us. <laughs> okay, so, so you, that could be your name. But you may not always live up to your name. But God is a God who cannot be detached from his name. No, what, what are you doing therefore? You are profaning the name of God whenever you take only one side of his nature and reject the other side. That is, that is how you are making it common. For example, if you say, he forgives sin, no, it doesn't matter what I, whatever I do. Because he says he is merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousand generations, I am only the first generation in my home, forgiving iniquity and translation and sin, and therefore... 
he'll keep on forgiving me. Doesn't matter what I do. That is profaning his name. Let me prove that to you. Jeremiah chapter 7. Verses 8 onwards. Actually, you can read from 1 onwards. Okay, let us enjoy. Jeremiah chapter 7 from 1, 1 to 11. Let us enjoy. This is like a, like dabba. <laughs> the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word say, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter in at the gates to worship the Lord. It is talking about, like for example, pastor is there standing at the gate of the, gate of the church. You fellas, hear the, hear my word, okay? And everybody is coming to worship God. Now look at this. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The Lord will not destroy his temple. You know what God, you know what Paul says in 1st Corinthians? The food for the Lord. I mean, food for the belly, belly for the, I mean, body for the for, for belly, I mean, food for the stomach, stomach is for the food. God is going to destroy both. And he says, do you think you're going to provoke God to jealousy? Will he not destroy your body? Are you more stronger than he? What are you doing? You're profaning the name of the Lord. Look at what he says. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. God is not going to destroy the temple of the Lord. Why? Verse 5, for if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the father as the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave you to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. And the next verse. Then look at this. Will you steal? Will you murder? Will you commit adultery? Will you swear falsely? You burn incense to Baal and walk after other gods whom you do not know and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my... Ah! You come to this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. That is exactly what one side of grace, you know what people do? They go to the other side of grace, what we call as license... Licentiousness, where they say, you know what, God is a forgiving God, he understands, he doesn't punish sin, he doesn't discipline us. That is, you know what you're doing? You are making the holy name of God profane. Because you're only taking one side of his name. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a? Then of these, you see what is exactly what he says. This house shall be called a house of prayers. Is quoting from Isaiah chapter 57 or 56. But you have made it into a den of robbers. You have made my house into a house of merchandise. Do you see your lifestyle and what you are proclaiming my name to be? You know what? You are only taking one side of my name. You have profaned my name. You have reduced my name to the level of your gods. You have made me common. Nahum chapter 1, Nahum chapter 1, Nahum chapter 1, verses 1, 2 and 3. The burden against Nineveh. The burden against Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum. The Elkoshite. Goddess, for what? For his name. Yeah. 
God is jealous. And he is happy with a man who is jealous for his name. The God is jealous. The Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord, look at this. Verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger, great in power, but he will not let the wicked go unpunished. That is his complete name. See, if we, if you only take one side of the cross, you know what we do? Once one side of God's name, you know what we do? We abuse the cross. That is profaning God's name. On the other hand, what is the other name? Let's go back. To uh, uh, Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34 verses uh, 5 and 5 to 7, 7th verse actually. 5 and 5 to 7. You can uh, 6 and 7, Dr. Richard. 6 and 7. Uh, Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That is first side. If you only take that side, what do you do? You profane his name. But on the other side, he never forgives. Dushta sikshana, sishta rakshana. All the righteous have to be saved and the unrighteous have to be destroyed. That is also the other side. So if you only take that side also, what have you done? You have profaned the name of God. That's exactly what Pharisees were. Like pastor was saying so many things yesterday, was just falling into my, falling into place, so many things. He says, the Levites were to be zealous for the Lord so that they could be merciful to others. What a statement that is. How are they merciful to others? Simple. The Ark of the Covenant, the, the tabernacle is in the center of the of the camp. Four, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here. On the, all four directions. Where are the Levites? Around the tabernacle. Why? So that the wrath of the Lord will not fall upon. That means what was the purpose of the Levites to intercede and say, Lord, Lord, let not your anger fall upon your children. In judgment, remember, mercy. That is the reason why the priesthood was given so that you understand his holiness and understand his mercy. And if you only take one side and not the other, what have you done? You have profaned his name. You have made it into any other God. That is the reason why he tells Pharisees, Pharisees, listen to the Pharisees, but don't follow them. He tells the Pharisees, he tells about the Pharisees, he, he tells so many things. He says, you guys, you say all these things, but you don't even lift a finger to help them. You're just profaning my name. That is not my nature. 
You know, if you've seen that movie, Three Idiots. You know, there's a very interesting dialogue. What a statement that is. I will not leave the hand of those students in my class who are weak. But that does not mean that I'm going to compromise on my standards. I'm going to help them to reach up to my level. That is what we call as ensuring that you do not profane my name. And there's only one person who upheld his name thoroughly. And you know how, what he asked, taught us to pray? How he has taught us to pray? Our Father who art in, hello, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because it starts from there. If you forget his name, then you profane him. You bring him down to the level of other gods. And he's not that. Either you exalt his holiness and bring down his mercy. Or you exalt his mercy and bring down his holiness. God says, no. I'm holy, just, righteous, and merciful, and kind, and slow to anger, plenteous in mercy at the same time. And I did that on the cross. I reconciled these two on the cross. And therefore, when Jesus was on the cross, what was he doing? He was saying, Lord, hallowed be your name. He was reconciling his entire, he was declaring God to be what? Holy. And that is the reason why Nadab and Abai who had to get burnt in the presence of the Lord because they gave what? Unauthorized fire. Profane fire. And you know, immediately fire came from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. And you know what he tells uh, tells uh, Aaron? Tell Aaron that whoever comes to me, I will prove myself to be what? Holy. Don't reduce my standard. Don't reduce my standard. See, the reason why people don't cry out for the real God is because they have profaned the name of God. They have made a God either who is absolutely unjust, I mean, uh, unjust, like he can forgive any sin and let go of any sin. Or they have made a God who is like, he demands and he never helps. That is what the law is. Romans chapter 7, verses 1, 2 and 3. Or do you not know, brothers? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who is who has a husband is bound by, her, by law to her husband. So he's saying, if you're married to the law, boy, law will say, this is wrong with you, 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 you need to die. Please help. No, sorry. Die. What do we need? We need a husband who will say, yes, this is the law. I cannot... Pulled on my standards, but you know what? I am going to live my life vicariously through you. That's what he says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, for those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. For what God law could not do, for what the law could not do, God has done by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in his flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He is living his life through us. He wants to do that. But in order to do that, he needs to 
change our heart. But in order for us to ask for a change of heart, first we have to come to the conclusion that we have profaned his name. Let's go back now to Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 20 onwards. Let's continue. Are we there? Okay. When they came to the other nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to, said of them, these are the people of the Lord and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for what? Not for my people. Oh, it's amazing. I had concern for my holy name. You are, see, whenever we as Christians misbehave, you know, that is the reason why one of the commandments is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, if you do not know what his name encapsulates in its totality, don't take him. I had concern for my holy name. Which the, who of Israel? The house of Israel. It is not the Gentiles who did it. That is the reason why all of, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. Verses 25 and 26 please. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 25 and 26. Behold the days are coming says the Lord that I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Who are circumcised? The house of Israel. Or the Judah. Egypt, Judah, Edom, and the people of Ammon, and all who are in the farthest corners, who dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and the house of Israel are uncircumcised in their heart. What's the problem? And it says, the name of God is being blasphemed because of you. How do you do that? I'll show you. Romans chapter 2 now. Romans chapter 2. And verse, verse 17 to 24. Boy, this is remarkable. <laughs> Indeed, you are called, you are called a Jew and you rest on the law and you make your boast in God. You rest on the law, you make your boast in God, not after other gods. And know his will, approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law. And you yourself are confident that you are a, you yourself are a guide to those who are blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You therefore who teach another, do you teach, not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? And the next verse. You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? And verse 24, for the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. You have profaned my name. You. So if really, really, if Christians have to really bring people to the law, you know what they have to do? They have to exalt his name. When we are lifting up the cross, we are lifting up his name. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Meaning what? God is gracious. God is long-suffering. God will not 
also acquit the guilty. He will not let the guilty go unpunished. And that is the reason why he, 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 he sacrificed his son on the cross for my sin. He was upholding his name. Zealous for his name. Hmm. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 36 now. And verse uh, 20. No, it was 19. Was 19. Yeah, was 19. First, no, it was 19. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through the countries. I judged them according to the ways and according to their deeds. And when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, said of them, these are the people of the Lord. And yet they have gone out of his hand, of his land. We'll, we'll, we'll try to understand that later. But I had to, I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord. I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. So why did God send his son for us? No. You know what? You know why God sent his son? Because he was jealous for his name. Let me prove that to you. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Verse 6 to 10. Hmm. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were without strength, we were ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die. Yet perhaps for a good man would someone dare to die. Who is better, righteous or good? Answer. According to this verse. Verse 7. Scarcely for a righteous man, some would die. That means nobody will die for a righteous man. For a good man, someone would dare to die. So who's better? No, good is better. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Obviously, that's a different story. Uh, that's a different message altogether. Okay, but verse 8. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were... I had concern for my holy name. Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him and verse 10 for when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son so what was God Jesus upholding he was upholding God's name he had concern for his father's name in our lives because we were all created in his image Acts chapter 17 verse 24. This is Paul at Athens. Look at what he says. To the Gentiles, God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temple made with human hands. You cannot bring down God to your level. You cannot. You cannot. Nor is he worshipped, verse 25, with men's hands, as though he needed anything. But he had zeal for whose name? For his holy name. And which we are profaned. Let's go back to 
Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 22. Now. Therefore, thus says the house. Uh, therefore, say to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God. I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel. But for my holy name's sake. Which you have profaned among the nations. Wherever you went. What a statement to make. What a statement to make. Romans chapter 3 verse 11. There is none. No, no, verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 10. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, where it says all are under sin. 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. Romans chapter 3 verse 8 and 9. Sorry. Romans chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. What then are we, and why do you say, uh, verse, verse 10, verse 9, what then are we better than they? Who, who's this? Jew. Is he better than the Gentile? No, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, they are all under sin. And verses 19 to 20, 19 and 20, 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world is guilty before God. Because everybody has profaned God's holy name, including Jew and Gentile. Jew should have known better. And through the Jew, you are indicting the whole world. Because this fellow couldn't keep it with all the knowledge that you had, that he had. What do you think? You can keep it? No way. No way. Verse 22, therefore, let's go back to Ezekiel. Chapter 36. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And then, and I will, what? Sanctify my great name. What amazing sentence that is. That is exactly what Jesus did, right? Jesus had his father's name. And you know what he says? For their sake, I sanctify myself. Okay, I will sanctify my great name, which you have profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord, when I am hallowed. Where? In you before their eyes. You know why God, God has saved us now? So that we could understand his name and we could really pray from, from our heart. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who can say that? Only those people from the next verse on. For I will take you from among the nations, from among the Gentiles. All of us, right? We've been taken. It's a picture. It's, he's of course talking about uh, Israel and Judah here particularly. But it, is, it, it applies to all of us. And bring you into your own land. Then first thing. What I will do? First thing he does is he will sprinkle clean water on you. So that you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. First thing he does. You know what he does? He comes and sprinkles clean water. What is clean water? The word of God. He comes and Pours the word of God on you. The first thing. That's the first step. That's exactly what we're doing now. That is the reason why he says to Peter, Peter says, Lord, wash my... You're clean because of the 
word. What is happening? I'm cleansing you with the word first. So what is ultimate cleansing? When I have cleansed you of all filthiness, actually when I have taken away every other idol in your heart. What is that? What is an idol? What is an idol? Anything which is your glory. Anything which will not satisfy you. Anything that you put your trust in. If you put your trust in your righteousness, that is your idol. If you put your trust in your good works, that is your idol. And the moment God exalts his holy name, what will happen? You look at it and say, Bob, who can actually fulfill the standard? I will cleanse you from all your idols. How do I cleanse you? By preaching your word, preaching to you the word or the gospel. And what is the essence of the gospel which I'm going to preach to you? Is a question. Right? What should be the word or the water that I need to receive so that I should be cleansed of my idols? First Peter chapter 1. Verses 23 and 20, 23 to the last. Yeah, it says, having been born again, not of the corruptible seed, but by the incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And look at the next verse. All flesh is as grass and all the glory of man. Meaning, if you think that you put your trust in your righteousness, that is your glory. If you put your trust in your good works, that is your glory. If you put your trust in your obedience, etc., that is your glory. If you put your trust in all the help that you did and your philanthropic work that you did for all the rest of the world, that is your glory. And that is the glory of man, he says. The gospel says, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. All this is fading away. When I come and exalt the righteous standard of God, everything will burn. You know, it says in Psalm 103, you don't have to turn there. It says, as for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field. So he flourishes, the wind passeth over it and it is gone. And the place thereof remembers it no more. You were there. The place, after you're gone, the place will not even remember remember you. You might name that house after your name. But your remembrance is gone. All flesh is as grass. As all the glory of man, as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of Lord endures forever. And look at this. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You know what the gospel says? Whatever you're putting your trust in is grass. It is going to burn unless you put your trust in Jesus. That idol is going to destroy you. The idol of self-righteousness is going to destroy you. The idol of your works is going to destroy you. The idol of your obedience without God is going to destroy you. Therefore, repent of your what works? Of your dead works. Repent of your dead works. That's the reason why it says, they worship the works of their own hands. That they made an idol. <laughs> Even Christians make, make idols. How much have given to this church? Go to Methodist Church. Whichever Methodist Church. Pew, denoted by. 
tap donated by tank donated by all idols see the tank is going to take me to heaven nonsense <laughs> oh, can you imagine the foolishness a tank is going to take me to heaven a tap is going to take you to heaven that fuse is going to take you to heaven it will burn along with you in heaven the fuse will be gone you will be left <laughs> in heaven for all eternity therefore acts chapter 1 verse 1 this is what we call as conviction emanter than the former account oh sorry sorry first uh, thessalonians chapter 1 so not acts chapter 1 first thessalonians chapter 1 and verse look at what it says first thessalonians chapter 1 just give me a minute i'll just tell you the verse uh, i just forgot to write the verse first uh, thessalonians chapter 1 and verse verse 9 and 10 verse actually 8 8 and 9 what 8 to 10 verses 8 to 10 okay it says for from you the word of the lord has sounded forth not only in macedonia and achaia but also in every place your faith toward god has gone out so that we do not need to say anything for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you what manner of entry when what manner of entry paul has matlab what of what manner of entry the gospel had what manner of what of manner of entry the word of god had and how you turned to god from idols to serve the living god you turn to god from your idols you're saying i don't put trust put my trust in any of these lord that's the first step i will pour clean water upon you and cleanse you first of all your idols then second step verse 26 of ezekiel chapter 36 i love this bah what a statement this is no i will give you a new heart and i will put a new spirit within you what is that new heart old heart kaisa tha it was a heart of stone and then i'll give you a heart of flesh that is first thing it means what that is what i'm going to do i'm going to make you conceive of the holy spirit and of the word of god when you're conceived of conceived of the holy spirit and the word of god what is going to happen to you you'll be born from above born in the image of my son born like the way he was born without sin and whoever is born of god cannot sin because what remains in him his seed remains in him and start and you know what once that is conceived you know what god is going to do false spiritual womb like that's what he says right i birthed you in the gospel paul had a spiritual womb what what does he say oh my dear children how much i labor in childbirth till christ is formed in you so he labored and labored and labored in paul's spiritual womb the holy spirit has conceived now and the word of god conceived a new spirit and what is he hearing the heartbeat tick 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 the heart with a new heartbeat a new heart has been birthed and after 9 months of incubation i mean that is 9 months for man but for a spiritual baby it can be born like that can a nation be formed can be born in a day so salvation is instantaneous it doesn't take a 9 months incubation period for, for some people are like that after being born again also they should be kept in an incubator <laughs> 
So many churches like that. Okay, so what has happened now? What does he want to do? The baby is born. The baby is born. So what am I supposed to do the next step? He's he's been given a, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. How am I going to do that? First Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 4 onwards. Not did we, okay, uh, uh, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Look at everything falling into place over here. Let's move on. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But next verse, look at this. But as we were gentle among you, as a mother cherishes her own children. So what does he do? He's feeding the milk. My first Peter chapter 2 now. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, 1 to 3, okay? Uh, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, all uh, hypocrisy, envy and all evil, evil speaking as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word of God though, so that I may grow thereby. How do you get the new um, uh, milk of the word? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord, Lord is good. Now you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now desire the pure. How do you do it? You cannot, as a new believer... You know what? You cannot just, you have to feed on the milk of the word of God. Therefore, you need teachers who will nurse you. A church which will give you regular bottles of milk. So that you may grow in your salvation. Okay, go go back, go back to, to Ezekiel. We'll, we'll see what, what is going on there. Okay, I will take over the heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit inside of you. That you may walk in my... How do I cause? So first I will put... So it says, if you... He who supplies the spirit, how does he... And works miracles among you. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Quickly. Yeah. Oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, etc. Next verse, next verse. Verse, verse 2 onwards. This only I want to want you to learn. Did you receive the spirit? How will I put my spirit within you? By when you start hearing the word of God by faith, slowly the word of God, and when you start receiving the, you already have been born again by the Spirit. But even as you start receiving the word of God by faith, the supply of this word and the supply of the Spirit is continuously going into your heart, and you are growing, and slowly you are taking baby steps. Get up, baby, walk, two, three steps. That doesn't matter. Don't even if you fall, it's okay. That's what we did with all our children, right? Abigail had to walk. Thumb. But we said, how, how dare you walk? No, 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 no. We fed her with more milk and more nice food so that she could start growing. And then verse 5, it says, verse 5, 
He who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you. Did he do it by the works of the Lord, by the hearing of faith? So you constantly keep listening to messages and listening and reading the simple translation of the word of God. Don't start with KJV. It'll, it'll, you'll have indigestion and you may also die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, King James Version, I'll read it, the Bible in the original Hebrew and Greek, you'll go crazy only. Uh, don't do all that nonsense. You need care, like a mother. You need care, like a mother. You see, this is exactly what we are doing. So many of you may be young believers here. I mean, we, we are not saying that we are senior believers. Just because we are... Uh, okay, that's, that'll be like a very vain statement to make, no? So, but this is what we are trying to tell you. Read the Bible, of course. You read it in KJV. Okay? Once you reach that level of KJV. Don't read some big books like Religious Affections by uh, Jonathan Edwards. You'll go crazy. You'll die under the weight of that glory. <laughs> okay, or Spurgeon and all that. No, no, no. Simple. Simple. Grow. But desire the milk. So, as in, so go back to Ezekiel chapter, uh, 36 and uh, verse 26 and 26 and 27. Yeah, 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. What will I do? I will cause you. That means there is a nursing to help you and there is a dunda to cause you. I'll show you that. Turn with me to First, first Thessalonians chapter 5 now. For first Thessalonians chapter, sorry, not chapter 5, chapter 2 and verse 7. Chapter 2 and verse 7. First, but we were among you gentle as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So we fed you the milk nicely. Not with covetousness, not with flattering words, but just as it is pure milk we fed you. God tests our hearts and we never, we never demanded that you should pay us for the milk bottle. No. And for lactogen or for pressure. No. We gave it free. No, it is one message they put it online, they'll put one price tag on the left also. Okay, so verse 7, but but we were gentle among you, and verse 8, so being affectionately, look at verse 8, verse 8, verse 7, chapter 2, verse 8. So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to impart you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives because you had become dear to us. That's what the, that's what Paul did, you know, he said, you know what, like a nursing baby, like, like your mind. I birth you through the gospel and I'm feeding you with the milk of God. And then what happens? Verse 9. For you remember, brother, our labor and toil. For laboring night and day, that we might not be burdened to you, we preach to you the gospel of God. For you are witnesses and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. And verse as you know how we exhorted you and comforted you and charged in, in every one of you as a father. I was, we were like a mother. I was like a father. So what does the Spirit of God do? It feeds you and it also exhorts you. It disciplines you like a father and like a mother. It nurses you. Both is happening here. That is what I'm going to, he's saying, I'm going to give you a new heart. 
I am going to give you, uh, put a new spirit inside of you and I will put my spirit, I will cause you to walk in my ways. Not only that, not only that, not only that, not only that. Something else is going to happen over here. Let's go back. Chapter uh, chapter 36 verse 27. Quickly. I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my ways and you will keep you what will, oh my goodness. You will keep my judgments and you will do them. Wow. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 onwards. Thirty-one was thirty-three onwards. Thirty-one, thirty-three onwards. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, write it on the tablets, or not on tablets of stone, write it on the tables of their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. And next verse. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That is a new covenant. You know what? I, when, I, when I read this for the first time, okay, my goodness, Lord, you're going to write your law on the tables of my heart and you're going to cause me to walk in your ways. I'm trying to do it, but you will help me to do it. That you will be inside me, that you will write my law. It's not going to be something which is external. I'll be able to just not fulfill the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law, that the righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled in us. How? By he himself writing his law in the tables of our heart. You know why? He has not. Have, we don't have a heart of stone anymore. But the question is, do you have a heart of stone? Is your heart hard like Pharaoh's heart? Or can it be written upon? Can it be written upon? Second Corinthians chapter 3. And verses 1 onwards. And we will stop. Last verse for the day. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. And look at how he describes the church. You are our epistle. You are our letter. It is not that I am going to write a letter to you. You are our letter. What does it say? We are God's what, what manship? Workmanship. What does it mean? Poem. We are God's poema. In other words, we are God's dialogue. You know, whenever you are a director and you want people to act out your character, some people live the character. Some people don't know what they are doing. What do you say, cameraman? Some people sing. I mean, whenever they're saying the dialogue, it's as if, boy, they're just, they're just, they're just being themselves. They're so natural. They're like into it. And what has happened? Whatever the director has written in his script, he has become that. God has written a script. And in the new covenant, he's going to make you that. That is the point. 
beautiful. <laughs> He's going to make you that. He's going to make you into what you have to be in his kingdom. So some of you have been given new names, for example. He's going to make you into that name. Hannah, Paul, Peter, Matthew, so many names. What is he doing? He's writing a character and he's putting his spirit inside of you so that you can become that character. You yourself will become the epistle now. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? You will be, you will be the gospel. Now you are not going to preach the gospel. You will be the gospel. Kya baat hai? And what verse 3? Clearly, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by <laughs> all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone like Moses, but on the tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. Not on tablet of heart or heart of stone, but a heart of Flesh. A heart of flesh means what? A heart which has become tender, like a new baby. That is the reason why it says, unless and until you get converted like a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's exactly what happened to Naman, right? Seven times he went until his skin became white as a newborn baby's skin. He humbled himself. And every one of us have to be humble ourselves and get converted like little children. And only humble can receive correction. And only humble can be written upon by God. And only humble can receive the spirit of God because the spirit of God is called the spirit of grace and only a humble can receive the spirit of truth and the spirit of grace so that we can become a letter written by God. The character which he wants us to play on this earth so that his gospel can be proclaimed not by us but through us. Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 36 and we will finish those things. We'll read from verses 20, one second. Dr. Richard, one minute, okay? We'll read from verses uh, 20, uh, 24 onwards, 24 and 24 to 28. 28. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. That's exactly what God wanted to do. He wanted to come and dwell among his people so that he could be His God, their God and they could be his people. And God is asking, do we have a heart which can become a sanctuary for God? Sanctuary for God. Can we all stand up this morning once again in his presence and let us pray once again and say, Lord, Father, 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 Father. Let Christ be formed in us.
this morning. The Lord who speaks from between the cherubim. May he be formed in us. In our spirit. And if he's already there in us, let him grow in us. Let him grow in us. The father, the mother imparts love. The father imparts discipline. And my dear children, if we are born of God, we experience both the goodness of God and the severity of God. Not in that severity that he would spank us and, uh, and, and, and destroy us eternally. But we experience both the loving, tender, nursing care of a mother. And the exhortation and the discipline and the, and the, and the encouragement of a father. Grant us grace to that and we pray. And may, may we grow in you, O Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.